Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. The best way to conclude what did he say is by going with the most offensive thing Jesus has ever said. So I thought that was kind of like a fun one. Uh, over at the boulevard, they talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But has anyone ever said anything to you that's like incredibly harsh? Have you ever got like a real harsh like statement at you? Recently, Wendy's uh, has been getting a little uh, snarky on their Twitter. And so this is kind of a, a, kind of a frame of reference as, our, as we go through this story that Maybe uh, Wendy's is acting a little bit like Jesus, or maybe not, but um, this first tweet that came up, um, it says, can you find me the nearest McDonald's, tweeting at Wendy's, and they replied with a picture of a trash can. Uh, The second one, my friend wants to go to McDonald's, what should I tell them? Wendy's replies, find new friends, find new friends. If I don't have a Wendy's in my location, what do I do? Move. How much does it cost to get a Big Mac? Your dignity. Your dignity. So, uh, Wendy's got, got a little, little savage on Twitter lately, and, and uh, if you haven't got a chance to read through those, they're, they're pretty fun. Um, I would say they're in good taste, but I'm not really sure. So. But it kind of mimics what we're talking about this morning. Today we're going to talk about one of the harshest things Jesus ever said. He says to the woman, or to a woman, this is the sentence we're going, to, we're going to talk through today. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And in this statement, he's implying the woman is the dog. How many of you know that if I called any of the women in the room a dog, I would be the shortest tenured pastor in the history of Mission Hill? Which wouldn't be that hard because, I mean, I guess... Pete and my dad have both done it for like however long, but it, it would be unfathomable. But, but Jesus, the guy we know as the bringer of love, the bringer of hope, the bringer of salvation, says this to a woman. And what is he actually trying to say to us? Because uh, it seems like the Bible has outlined that God values everyone. And if Jesus said this in today, I mean, he would have been crucified on Twitter. Wendy's would have been all over him, all over him. He would have been destroyed on Twitter. But people would have been absolutely fuming. But maybe, maybe Jesus isn't trying to insult a woman as much as we think when we first read this. So in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 15, it says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. So here's a few things about the woman that we can imply from the scriptures or from other translations. So the Gentile woman is kind of a generic term, but she was a Canaanite woman, and other translations specify that for us. And so she hadn't been an adherent to the religious law, or, and she hadn't been a follower of Jesus necessarily before this time. 
Um, but she's desperate for her, her daughter to be healed. Also, geographically, she would have been about three miles from a temple dedicated to Eshman, which I'm just going to say I have no idea if that's the correct pronunciation, but it's my best shot. Uh, a god of healing was located about three miles northwest of Sidon. So as a pagan who didn't believe in the Jewish culture, she may have tried this option already, going to this temple of healing. And it's probably safe to say that a, a, god, or a temple dedicated to a god that is not real probably didn't do much for her. So most likely she would have tried that. So we carry on. But Jesus gave her no reply. Not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Take note that these disciples are mimicking the prejudice the Jewish people had towards the Gentiles. So, as we know, Jesus is going to set them straight in the next comment, right? Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Wait, that, that can't be right. He didn't, he didn't correct them. I was sent only to help God's lost people, the people of Israel. It's weird, right? Anybody read over that and go, hmm. In verse 25, but she came and worshipped him and, plead, and pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord. But even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. After hearing this, I'm just shocked that the woman even like agrees to the metaphor of the dog. She carries it on. She says even the dogs get the scraps. It would have shocked me if in my state I would have replied in the same. I would have been shocked if that's how I replied. But I think but Jesus or the woman knows Jesus' reputation and her need. She doesn't allow herself to be written off and and in turn she's rewarded for it. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Dear woman, you, your faith is great. As we talked about last week, faith is trusting in the person that's trustworthy. It's trusting in Jesus, who is the ultimate trustworthy person. It's trusting in God, who is always trustworthy. And from all we know, that she was just a pagan Gentile, but she trusted Jesus in this moment. Does our faith look like this? Are we willing to say to Jesus, I will not leave this place until you've changed my life? So, so Jesus is, Jesus' silence in that first response, you know, she says, hey, I need my daughter to be healed. And Jesus just, doesn't say a thing. 
I think we can learn so much from Jesus' first response. Jesus remains silent. And throughout this story, Jesus is asking the woman to push a little harder. I love a sermon that Cam gave uh, this past year in Reach where his main idea was this. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's quiet. He outlined that when we feel like God is speaking or don't feel like God's speaking something, he's, a lot of time he's trying to teach us to push a little harder to have some persistence. Jesus is silent, but that doesn't deter the woman. She goes on, and I think this is a beautiful moment for us to take in. When in our lives is God silent, but really he's asking us to push a little harder? He's asking us to develop endurance. And I love how Paul says it in Romans chapter 5. He says it like this. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. That's one of my favorite moments, because in hard times and in these moments like this woman is experiencing, her daughter is tormented by a demon, and she needs somebody to heal him, to heal her. And we think that is probably what suffering looks like. I'm sure every parent in the room would consider that suffering. But suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. And this woman's endurance did not put her to shame. But why the dog metaphor? Anybody ask that, like read that through that section and go, why the dog metaphor? It seems strange. We saw Jesus in Matthew says it at one point that the uh, he says he uses dog as a metaphor for people who have rejected him. In I believe it's the Sermon on the Mount. We see it in here. So it's not the first time he's done it, but it seems like in the first century, uh, I was reading through a commentary, and they, they outlined that dogs most likely were not um, house pets. So like, I have a dog named Zeusy, and... He is in our house all the time, and he gets fed, and he gets water, and like he's our little pal, but he doesn't serve much of a purpose, right? Like, but the do- most dogs in the first century would have either been wild, roaming the streets, or they would have been trained as like guard dogs, and very few would have been domesticated in, in the sense that we have them now. So what is, what's Jesus doing with this metaphor? I think he's trying to, to abolish the, 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 the us mentality of the Israelites. Even his disciples want to send her away. And they use the metaphor, the use of this metaphor is both a test for her to see if she'll push past, like we've already talked about, and a correction to the disciples and to Israel. He says, it, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs to set us up. 
He basically says, I've come to save Israel, and that can't be wasted on you. But then he heals her daughter. So he contradicts his statement. His action changes things. And why is he doing that? Why is he saying, hey, we're, I'm just here for the Israelites, but then I heal you. So he must be saying something here. He must be doing something here. So which one is it? Did he come to just save Israel? Or did he come to save the entire world as well? Jesus sets these scenarios up to teach us the gospel. This good news that everyone can come to him. Makes me think of, come all you weary and find rest for your soul. It's, as, it's almost as if the Jewish people as a whole had forgotten all the way back to Genesis 12.3 when God says, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. It's true that you're going to be the conduit. You're going to be the vessel through which God reaches the world. You are the people that Jesus is going to come through and the Messiah is going to come through you guys. But it's not enough to stay there. It's not enough for it to be this moment and it's ours and it's ours and let's hold it, hoard it over here. That's not okay because all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. So the disciples wanted Jesus to mimic this prejudice they had against these Gentiles, but Jesus was trying to remind them of this moment where he's saying, all of the earth will be blessed through Just like we've talked about over the last couple of months with the Outcast series. No one is excluded from the love of God. That doesn't mean that he doesn't ask us to grow. And he doesn't mean he doesn't ask us to get better and to change and be more like him. But everyone is loved by God. Interestingly enough. This is the only miracle recorded while Jesus is in Tyre. And we were, we were doing this research, and, and my dad had pointed this out to me, and it's so interesting that he, so if he's walking from, walking to, from Galilee to Tyre, it's about 30 miles. It appears that he may have literally made this trip for this one moment to teach this one thing to these people. And it's such an important lesson for all of us. Jesus wants to throw away this notion that it's only us that get salvation. He wants to throw it away. And so much of this that surrounds our, our belief system is us versus them. And we've talked about it over and over again over the last couple of months. The love of God and the salvation he brings is far too important to hoard it to ourselves. It's so important to share it and send it out. So what do we ask ourselves out of this story? Who are we cutting off? Who are we holding back from meeting Jesus? Who have we not given that privilege to? Or at least that option. 
Where in my life have I not shared the gospel where it was readily available to be shared? Where in my life have I missed it? And where in our lives have we missed it? Because there's too many people here, too many that don't know the love of a Savior, who don't know the love of Jesus. And I don't want to be the person responsible for that. And I know this church doesn't want to be responsible for that. We want to love, love, love people all the way to Jesus. And so this morning, as, as we finish up, we'll have Ed and Sherry in the back to pray with you, but as we finish up, search your life. Where are you not letting people come in close? Where are you not inviting people into the love of Jesus? Where is that at? Where could that be? And ask God to give you the boldness and the strength and the help to actually do it. Because this woman, through her faith that we talked about last week, her trust in the one who is trustworthy, has her daughter healed. And how can we in our lives, when we trust the one who is trustworthy, do everything God has called us to? Let's pray. God, I pray that you would enable us to do all that you've called us to. That we would lay aside any barriers we have keeping people from Jesus. that we would not hoard the gospel to ourselves, but that we would share it freely. God, I pray, give us open hearts and open minds. And God, give us scenarios that we can actually effectively communicate the gospel to people who do not know it. God, bring us friends and colleagues that don't know you and trust us with them that we could see this world turn to you. In your name we pray, amen.